One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. They're not expecting you today, are they? They're not, no. So okay. we'll just walk to the gate. Okay, come. Clive, that's the Beausajou plantation house. So it's like something out of Gone with the Wind. It is. Isn't it? And yet it's horrific. How does it feel being here, back on the scene, where your family made such wealth from enslavement? It just feels, it feels really odd being here, but it also feels important to be here with you and to think about what it represents, you know, the acknowledgement of this, that this is somewhere where maybe your ancestors could have toiled in this sugarcane plantation, enslaved by my ancestors. What about I, you? I can feel, I feel like I'm being watched by my ancestors, bizarrely. Um, they're lined up watching this moment. I mean, that's my imagination. I know that's my imagination, but I have a sense that it's full circle. We've come full circle. I want to tell you about the island of my ancestors. It's an island called Grenada. It's a beautiful place, a tropical paradise with white sandy beaches, turquoise waters and lush green rainforests. All the cliches, but so much more. For me, going there was the first time my black heritage really came together. But the island has a history that's about as far away from paradise as it's possible to be. It was the beautiful backdrop for a hideous crime against humanity, a crime against my ancestors. Hello, I'm Clive Lewis. I'm a British MP and I am the descendant of enslaved people in Grenada. The transatlantic slave trade took African people from their home countries across the sea on horrendously cramped ships and deposited them on Caribbean islands, including Grenada. The native people, Amerindians, were driven out and murdered, and the Africans who were shipped over there were forced to work endless hours on sugar and tobacco plantations in the burning sun under cruel and often deadly rule. Can you imagine what kind of person would do that to someone? But those kinds of people have descendants too. This year, I switched on my TV and watched BBC journalist Laura Trevelyan apologise to the people of Grenada for the role her family had played in the enslavement of people there. We apologise to the surviving descendants of the enslaved on those estates for the continuing impact on their daily lives, their health and their well-being. Laura's family enslaved upwards of a 1,000 people on the island, 
Given the small size of Grenada, it was likely that her ancestors had owned my ancestors. And now she was offering reparations. We, the undersigned, write to apologize for the actions of our ancestors in holding your ancestors in slavery. Reparation, or reparatory justice, is the idea that the perpetrators of a crime should atone for the wrongs of the past. In Laura's case, this was putting her own money into an education fund for the young people of Grenada. I want you to take a moment to imagine yourself in my shoes. How would you feel? What would you do? I made a decision to join the conversation myself, and in March of this year, I raised the subject in a speech in Westminster Hall. And if we live up to the words that we often talk about in this place, about how we want to take our country forward into the future, a bright future, together collectively, then that cannot be allowed to happen. And this issue of reparatory justice must be confronted now. Because I know that if this government doesn't do it, the next government, whoever they may be, will find these arguments growing stronger by the year, by the day, by the week. I'm not the first person to bring the idea into British politics, but I can count the number of people who have on one hand. Now, I've got to know Laura over this time. We make an unlikely pair as two sides of a horrible shared history. And it's uncomfortable at times seeing Laura talk about her family's shame, knowing what happened to my own. But when she asked if I wanted to make a podcast with her, revisiting the island of our pasts, it was hard to say no. My dad, who was Grenadian-born and came to the UK as part of the Windrush generation, moved back there permanently in 2014. But I've not been back for almost 10 years. So I'm inviting you to follow us back to the West Indies, to Grenada, the Spice Island. We're going to be asking how a terrible history can be confronted and healed. This is Heirs of Enslavement. Clive, we're here in Grenada on the beautiful Grand Ants Beach. You haven't been here in, what, seven years? No, I, I haven't been here about ten years, but... When I first came in the early noughties, this was where we hung out. This was the beach. And it's amazing. It's a journey, Laura, because I never would have thought watching you on television in Grenada, making that apology, that that would lead to me walking along <laughs> this beach with you. It is pretty surreal, isn't it? Like, here we are, literally heirs of slavery on this beach. You a descendant of the enslaved in Grenada, me a descendant of enslavers. And we're here to try and ask what it means. What does it mean for the present, the future, trying to unpack the past? It feels really profound to me and important. It's something that's been going on for a long time. We've both come from very different sides of it. And yet here we are together walking down this beach that means so much to me in terms of memory and that half of me, um, it's very special. Yeah, I am excited about it because I feel like the last 18 months I've been talking about this from one perspective, which is 
trying to explore what it means for Grenada to be uh, a descendant of enslavers. But to be here with you, it's the whole story now. This is obviously part of me. And yet, I'm back in the UK talking about these issues as a British politician. So for me, it now feels that the circle's closed and the two sides of myself, my personal Grenadian side and my British political side have come together. And uh, that's quite rare in politics. So University College London performed this incredible public service around about 2014, where they put these dusty records that had been in the public records office in Kew, not available to the general public. They put them online. And what those records are are essentially the compensation records of the money that was paid not to the slaves when slavery was abolished in the British Empire in 1833, but the money that was paid to the slave owners, if you can believe it. And that amount was £20 million, uh, which was the equivalent to 40% of Britain's gross domestic product back then. And actually, it's such a massive amount of money that it had to be borrowed and was only fully paid back in 2015, if you can get your head around that. Anyway, in that UCL database, if you type in the name Trevelyan, which some family members did in about 2016-ish, it comes up with Grenada, all these Trevelyans claiming compensation for the loss of what was termed their property, a third share in, a, in about £26,000 in compensation, which is about £3 million in today's money, which is a huge amount. Various people wrote to me in the family in 2016, oh, Laura, this is terrible. What do you think? You're the journalist, you're the historian, amateur historian, you're the one that's written books. What are we going to do about this? And it was 2016 and my hair was on fire covering the Trump election, anchoring a daily show on PBS in the US. Like, you know, it felt like American democracy was about to grind to a halt. So I thought, well, this is really shocking, but I don't know what to do with it now. So I sat with it and just thought about it. And then in 2020, that whole summer of Black Lives Matter and the protests following the death of George Floyd, there were protests every night in Brooklyn where I live. Every day on our show, we're asking questions. What does this mean? What are the implications? So if a legacy of slavery in America was police brutality towards black men, then what did this mean that my ancestors had been absentee slave owners in Grenada? So I started to lobby my BBC bosses to, you know, this is an ideal moment to try to join the dots. And go there and make a documentary and they were a little bit skeptical at first but I lobbied and I lobbied and then they let me go in 2022 and then that's how it all began because in Grenada I asked people what does this mean what should I do do I have a responsibility and everyone said yes you should apologize on behalf of your ancestors for what they did to our ancestors and you should set an example and you should pay reparations and so that's what I did with the backing of the family. So in February, I was watching um, the news and, and someone in my office said to me, oh look, Trevelyan family in Grenada. And I said, wow, that's, that's my dad's island. And I, I sat and watched it. And I, I already knew that Laura had been on a journey. I'd seen the BBC report on this. And I watched it and I remember thinking, I'm gonna say something about this. This is, this is, my, this is my opportunity to say something. I had wanted to say something before, but..." I always think in politics it's also about timing and this is a quite controversial area still. So I saw that and I thought I'll put a point of order in to the speaker and the speaker's office came back and said, oh, ask some questions, you know, is this? And I was, I'm not asking 
permission, I'm telling you I'm going to do it, I'm informing the speaker. And so I stood up and I made a point of order about the fact that in Grenada, the Trevelyan family had just donated £100,000 and apologised for their part in slavery. And I asked, why hasn't any government of any colour in the UK done the same? In fact, the whole issue is never mentioned in Parliament. The whole issue of reparations is never mentioned. So I mentioned it and um, it got quite a bit of attention. And off the back of that, I then organised a debate in Parliament on the issue of economic reparations and an apology. And, it, and it really, that's, that was the start of the journey for me, really. Clive, I know there's someone that you're very excited to be reunited with here in Grenada. Yes, a little someone um, <laughs> called my father, my dad. I haven't seen him since my wedding back in 2017. Uh, he lives over here and, yeah, I'm really excited. Uh, I can't wait to meet him, Tony Lewis, the famed trade unionist. And there's also someone that I'm really excited to introduce you to, and that's Nicole Philip-Dow, uh, Grenadian historian. She's vice chair of Grenada's National Reparations Committee. She worked very closely with me on our family apology for our ancestors' role as enslavers here and on our reparation strategy. And she's amazing. She's just written a junior history of Grenada, the first one ever for Grenada school children, written by a Grenadian historian. She's awesome, Clive. Well, I know my dad's going to love her. So we're going to go to Guave to meet my dad and Nicole. All right, let's do it. After enter, yeah, let's look at the entrance. I just saw my dad. <laughs> oh, Clive has just seen. Oh, I sit in. That's surprising. I like jumping out. Don't go. I'll open it for you. Wait there, Laura. Don't, don't get out yet. Okay. Out. Hey! Ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I saw you over there. You're sorry. <laughs> you know I like to jump out on you. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's my boy. We're here with Nicole Philip Dow, and we were supposed to be going to a school this morning where Nicole was going to introduce her junior history of Grenada to the children, but due to an electrical outage, we are in a bar, even though it's only 9.30 in the morning. <laughs> we're drinking ting, I should say, which is sparkling grapefruit juice. So, Nicole, this is your junior history of Grenada. We've got it in front of us. I've read it. I've, I've done some of the units myself, and I think it's just a superb, clear overview, which really confronts the fact that Grenada was a pawn between the big powers in the 17th, 18th, 19th centuries. And you're also extremely honest and factual about the history of slavery here. Yes, very much so. It's a story that has to be told. And despite the fact that there would have been atrocities committed, despite the fact that some people still hold on to the emotion, even hundreds of years later from it, 
the reality is that it's history that has to be talked about, history that has to be spoken about, history that has to be discussed. And it's only fair to our young people that they know who we are, how we ended up being the way we are, and why we are the way we are. It's extremely important that they know. So Nicole, we're here with Clive Lewis and his father, Tony. Tony was born here. Clive is a member of parliament in Britain, a Grenadian. And I'm delighted to introduce you both. Hello, Nicole. Hi, Clive. Lovely to meet you. Nice to meet you. I think this is a, a work of genius. I think it's brilliant. I'm really interested in... My dad always talked to me about the history of the Caribbean, about slavery. I got that from my dad when I was in the UK. Where did it go wrong, do you think, in terms of the teaching of the history here? Has it ever been taught? When I was in primary school, we had a little text it was actually sort of a cartoon character looking on Grenada that spoke about the Amerindians right up to 1974 when we would have gotten independence. And somewhere along the line, the book disappeared from use. Uh, I taught at the secondary school in the early 90s and history was taught at the secondary school level but it was never a history of Grenada. It was basically Caribbean history. So what tended to happen was teachers would try to incorporate a little bit of Grenada as much as they can or as far as they can, either at the lower secondary or at the primary level. But it was never like a syllabus, part of a curriculum. Yeah, we never really had that. I was a, a rebel teacher. So when I taught my students, I would have incorporated Grenada's history. So if we were talking about the British and the French, I would incorporate it, take them on field trips, bring them to fortifications and so on. But it was never actually written anywhere in a syllabus that says this is what you have to teach. So we're at the point now where the ministry has recognized the need to do this. So the textbook is alongside the ministry putting down a syllabus, making it part of the curriculum and not a compulsory part of the curriculum. I'm happy that we've gotten to the point where we're recognizing that it's something that we have to, we have to teach the past. Coming up after the break. I have a question for you, Nicole. Yes. What do you think the odds are that Tony's ancestors, Clive's ancestors, could have been enslaved by mine? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. 
Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So we're in Guave, which is close to the Beausajou plantation. Yeah which was one of the biggest sugarcane plantations in Grenada, yes. and my ancestors were part owners of Beau Sejou. Which one was that? Beau Sejou. Do you know where your Grenadian ancestors, which plantation they were enslaved on? Do you, could it have been Beau Sejou? I would know mostly those in St. John's, but I would see Guadalupe State, Maran, Belvedere, uh, Clouche, that would be as far north. The other side would be Grenville. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a very small island, though, Nicole, yeah. isn't it? So, yeah, and, and, really so it's 20, 20 miles long. Yeah. I have a question for you, Nicole. Given that the Trevelyan family were part owners in 10 plantations in Grenada, yes. what do you think the odds are that Tony's ancestors, Clive's ancestors, could have been enslaved by mine? One of the things with the plantations, and if you look at the geography, because we're... So Bushesu would have been in St. George. Yes. And so we're right on the boundary. So it's St. George and then St. John. One of the things that tended to happen was the movement of enslaved people. So, for example, if someone on Brothers Estate, for example, would have wanted a blacksmith or a mason to work. Yes. Yes. They would get one from from Bushiju, yeah, as an example. Yes. Somebody would come, they would work for a while, and then they would return. What's interesting about those movements is that the person who's moving is more than likely male, because those jobs were specifically for men, and more than likely he would have a family wherever yes. he went, because yes. he's there for a particular period of time. So that's how you may find connections between plantations that you may not have thought about could have happened. But if you have people moving like that, very possible that you have connections like that. So there was a business interchange. I want 10 bags of sugar. Have you got it? Well, I'll get it to you. You know, so slaves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Because they were seen as properties. It was, yeah. It was, yes. Around. Yeah. As needed. Nicole, how, how do you define reparations? What are reparations? Reparations, basically, it's for me, it's two parts. Um, one, recognizing that a crime was committed um, against people who were enslaved. And two, finding ways of repairing the damage. Most people will say uh, money is not going to solve the problem. Um, it would not ease the emotional distress, the psychological distress that was caused by enslavement. Yes, that is true, but it brings both sides of the divide to the table. And one recognizing that there was fault on the other, and the persons who would have been at fault and the persons who would have been on the other side of the fence, getting an opportunity to come to the table and saying, okay, how do we move forward from this? Um, How do we make reparations something that is going to benefit the next generation? I'm honored 
to be on page 71 of your book with the Trevelyan family apology for our ancestors' involvement in enslavement here. And, Nicole, you made that apology happen. You are a historian, but you helped us to come here to confront this island's history. And I just want to say thank you, but also to ask you what that's like for you, to be a historian who created something, gave birth to something which you considered significant enough to put into your history. As a historian, it's absolutely amazing to be part of history in the making. Um, something that you heard about, idea of reparations, as a history student, especially at university, and then having the opportunity to be able to see it in action, something you never thought you'd see in your lifetime, but it's happening. I have to say thank you to your family for taking a very bold step because their families who are aware of the role that their ancestors played and they're not really interested to have a conversation about it, one, or even have a conversation first, or two, to take that bold step of making an apology and trying to find a way to give back to the country that their ancestors would have profited from. So it's quite a bold step by the Trevelyan family, and the hope is that other families will see it as an example and want to do the same, not only for Grenada, but for the rest of the region. I was going to ask, do you think... Laura's family's intervention, do you think it made it easier for this book to be published? Do you think it was a, a, a contributor to that? I think it was underway. It was underway. Oh, okay, sorry. It was well underway. It was well underway. It was well underway. What it did, though, was to be able to bring history to life. Um, so it was able to show the connections between the past and the present. So, yes, we had a period of enslavement. How are we dealing with that now? And in speaking to young people, thanks to Laura, we've had some interesting comments from them because you have, they sort of mirror the society. So (laughs) you have those who say, yes, this makes sense. Um, I think this is something that we should do. Um, I agree that everybody shouldn't get a paycheck, but that we can fix health, fix housing, education, and so on. And then there are others who are saying, I'm not understanding why we're doing this. I'm not sure that I'm comfortable with the idea of someone from the past, you know, that connection is making this connections with us now. Are they really sorry? So, for example, by the time you got here, you had those who were not very happy about it either. <laughs> I, I remember. <laughs> so you, the Rastafari. Yes, you had. It was interesting because there were some of the Rastafarians who were for and some who were against. But it raised the question. People started asking questions. How do we see this? How do we view this? Do we want this? Do we not want it? Is it enough? And if we want to use it for education, how do we use it for education? <laughs> Who should benefit from it? But it's questions that needs to be to be asked, and questions, of course, we would need to answer. Can I can I ask Laura? Um, I know I know people in your family were quite nervous and apprehensive about doing this. Hearing that, how does that make you feel? Well, I, I feel honoured, really, that Nicole guided us and was so welcoming. And it's a horrible history to have, but if that horrible history at this moment can be a catalyst for discussion, then that seems to me like a good thing. What did you think when Clive stood up in Parliament and said, if a British family can apologise and pay reparations, why can't Britain's government? I was jumping up and saying, yay, go on, Clive! 
not because he's my son, but I think as well, <laughs> it's helped. And I flogged it, you know. <laughs> but Nicole, you jumped up and down. Yes, I did. I was like, wonderful. And I guess you, your, your Grenadian connection, of course, made, it, made me jump up and down even more. That here we have a Grenadian advocate for this. Absolutely. And it's not just only going to be listened by Grenada, but by the rest of the region. Yes. And what he's asking for is, if this has happened, it, it can happen. We can take it one step further. And I, I think it was more for like opening the eyes of the British public that they recognize, listen, this is not just a Caribbean conversation. There's so much more to come. Um, it's only just <laughs> begun. But what I will say that they definitely felt an opportunity when Laura's family stepped up. It felt as if things had come. I wanted to speak about this for quite a while. Right. But the response of so many people in the UK, and, and it's still there, it's, it's changing, but it's still there, is a sense of shame, of guilt, and, and therefore it, it turns into quite a, a kind of more hostile approach to the whole issue. And I think what Laura did gave me an in to, to come at this and to, and to mention it and to raise it, because frankly, standing up in that chamber, talking about reparations, you know, uh, Bell Rabira Abbey, Addy has done it. Um, I've done it. It takes a it takes a lot of willpower and courage because you know it's going to receive such a bad response, and not just from the benches opposite, not just the Conservative government, right. also people on our own side. I know there are MPs here at the time mm-hmm. in Grenada when I made that comment, and when I got I got back, I spoke to one of them, and they were like, "Oh, they were very pleased about what you said, but it's completely unrealistic." So, you know, that, there's that mentality back in the UK, but it's beginning to peel away. There's a, there's a sense that there's a, a momentum, and, and I think we can ride that. Yes, definitely. I, I think as well that it's much more, in the public domain, it's much more debatable. People are talking. Mm-hmm. Of course you'll get opponents. Yeah. Why me? I didn't do it, someone else done it. But I think the point now is, let's see how best we could do something. And as, as you quite rightly said, it doesn't have to be money. Well, it's money in a sense, but rather than giving governments X amount, school, books, um, hospitals, health, that's what it's all about. That is reparation. That is what the whole issue is all about. It's understanding. It's something in the in the domain now. And it's known. It's all over the world. So, it's nice to see people acknowledging something and doing something. You know what I'm really struck by is the just the extraordinary impact of slavery on this table. So you have Nicole, a descendant of the enslaved. You have you, Tony, a descendant of the enslaved, who then was part of the Windrush generation, who went to Britain in search of work because there weren't opportunities here in Grenada, because after the abolition of slavery, Grenada was left with nothing. And now you've come back to Grenada in your retirement, and your son, who's of Grenadian descent, is a lawmaker, and I'm here a descendant of enslavers. I mean, it's pretty wild. And how many of the people, the Windrush generation, that um, went to Britain in, after, the, after the war, 49, 50, the children, how many became doctors, 
nurses, you know. Because the continuation never, continued. They, exactly. This is where the, rep the reparation issue comes in. It would have happened to the, to the children and the grandchildren. They would have remained in Grenada. And this is where the great-great-grandparents would have been slaves. They never had that chance to move along. So one of the things I often think about is the complexity of this story, which mm -hmm. is if it wasn't for enslavement and all that happened, and the fact that there was nothing here, which meant my dad went yeah. back to, yeah. went to the UK yeah. with yeah. so many other people, I wouldn't have been born, I wouldn't have had the opportunities I had, and I wouldn't have become a member of parliament who's then in a position to raise the very issues of reparations and reparatory justice. So Absolutely. it is complex. Yes. And you know, I know I'm half, I'm half English, half Grenadian. I know that what I try to do, I do both for Grenada, but also my country as well, Britain, because I think this will help the United Kingdom find its own feet, find its place in the 21st century. It needs to do this, it's cathartic. And so I see this as something, as a, as a mission, really, for, for, both, for both countries, both parts. You've laid a foundation on the issue of reparations. That foundation is solid. It's solid and it'll never go, it'll never die. Next time on Heirs of Enslavement. We continue. We witness the aftermath of slavery all the time and we reside in it still. Heirs of Enslavement is a Persephonica production. It was presented by me, Clive Lewis, and Laura Trevelyan. Our producer is Rosie Stouffer. Our beautiful steel pan theme is by Andre Greenidge, with additional scored music from Senna Verdi. The sound design is by Aerophone.